Hello and welcome to the CEO interview. My name is Jean-François Manzoni. I'm the president of the International Institute for Management Development, better known as IMD. I have been studying, teaching and consulting for leaders for the better part of the last three decades. One of the benefits of this job is that I get to meet and discuss with some of the world's most interesting and successful business leaders. In this podcast series, you're going to have a chance to meet them too and to hear some of their insights and advice. In today's episode, I'm delighted to introduce you to one of Fortune magazine's most powerful women in business, Dr. Ilham Kadri. Ilham has been CEO at Solve for two years after a career that has seen her work on four continents. She is the first woman to run Solve, an international chemicals and materials group employing more than 30,000 employees, with revenues of close to 10 billion euros and consistently ranked highly in various sustainability rankings and labels. Ilham is also a member of the board of directors of L'Oréal and a member of the executive committee of the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. I began our discussion by asking Ilham for her advice on how to cope with extremely volatile and uncertain times. Well, listen, I'm a generation of leaders who have experienced 08 or 9, 9-11, and in fact, some sanitary crisis like SARS, Ebola type of epidemic. But in fact, if I think about it, it was the first time that an external event triggered the combination of risks which were previously considered as independent. Health and safety, uh, discontinuity of supply, uh, drop in sales and your top line, uh, treasury gaps, decline in stock price and markets. So, uh, and in fact, economies uh, were in fact indirectly impacted by the pandemic per se, but, but the decision of government to control the pandemic through a global lockdown had an immediate impact on the level of activity of the worldwide economy, which was in a way not homogeneous, right? So, in some cases, top management was also physically impacted, right? And we were all remote and uh, some, you know, companies, managements were not even able to play their role. So listen, our recipe was very simple. One eye on the microscope, one eye on the telescope. So what is the microscope? We are chemists, so we like to refer to microscopes. First of all, taking care of our people, security, safety, management stability. Uh, I joke often and I say back in March, I was not chief executive officer, I was chief mask officer. We were all dying to find enough uh, PPEs and masks and gels to protect our people, our production lines, etc. Then one eye on protecting the balance sheet, right? Piloting liquidities, cash was important. Cash is king, right? Is even more king during crisis times. Protecting the business continuity and taking care of clients. It looks obvious, but we had to be even closer to our clients and suppliers to secure the supply chain. As the borders were closing, it was essential to really continue uh, providing products and services. And, and the eye on the telescope is making sure that the company knows how to react, anticipate the changes, right? And, and emerge stronger from this crisis, right? So taking advantage 
of the opportunities generated by the crisis, and they were few, right? Um, and the companies who have not wasted this good crisis are going to emerge stronger and, and be a winner tomorrow. Rethinking the operating and business model. Uh, we deployed the purpose in, back in January last year. We deployed our sustainability strategy, Solve One Planet, in February. We launched our teleworking. 40% of Solve employees today are teleworking, which is a new normal at Solve. So agility, adaptability are key. Redefining what's winning and the new winning means, including, for example, remote working. And reinforcement as well, from the purpose perspective, we understood that we are essential. I'm not sure you know it, Jean-François, but none of our assets or plants was uh, closed by the authorities because we were recognized as essential. We supply water purification solution, air purification solution, when in hemodialysis membrane, when in packaging of medicines, we're actually in the supply chain of uh, COVID-19 tests and vaccine, we're in the food industry. So all of this is a big learning out of this crisis. As I'm listening to all of the things that you had, you and your team had to get right during this crisis, I'm also remembering how difficult some of these months have been and, and how draining this period was, uh, in part because now there's a little bit more clarity, but a few months ago, we just didn't know how long this would last and how terrible it would be. So I think a number of, of executives found it personally challenging and difficult. How did you manage to keep yourself engaged and energized and forward-looking? How did you manage your own energy and focus? Indeed, uh, this crisis has been, uh, you know, tough uh, for, for, for all of us. It has been a stress test, right? For corporations, for authorities, for business models, for families, for individuals and for the leaders we are. Listen, uh, in my case, my recipe was very simple. Healthy routines, including mental hygiene, good nutrition. I did more sports. I mean, co confined and uh, working, you know, hard. Uh, but also uh, taking time to do sports. And I am yogi, so I love yoga. At the company, we find some mental hygiene routine, like we call it the connected coffee. You know, when you stop working, you go to the coffee machine, you socialize with your colleague and you speak about something else, families, the kids, the school, the weather, etc. And believe it or not, during those cocos, our connected coffees, um, such question came in, you know, how do you do this? How do you stay balanced and grounded and positive in the middle of this? And, you know, how you manage ambiguity? So at Solve, and I shared with them, uh, and I brought my own coaches, which have been with me for, for a dozen of years, who actually, you know, shared tips and, and how the minds work, right? And we call it mindfulness, right? How the thoughts can affect your feeling. And it was so popular, Jean-François, that our employees' families ask actually to access to the same type of, of training and engagement. So, yeah, I think um, we did a lot of... Um, you know, healthy routines. Uh, we shared with our colleagues how we would do that. And for me, that healthy routines were 
extremely precious. Not, not to, of course, to add that I spend more family quality time because I traveled less. So I could, you know, have my dinners, uh, my breakfast sometimes, you know, my weekend, you know, engaging more with my family, which is also helps a lot to the personal balance. I'm curious. So, so these coaches that, that have been working with you, in what context are you working with them? I'm working with them on what I call the insight principles. How you live your life inside out, right? Uh, how you find the energy, the wisdom, right? To stay balanced and grounded. How to be at your best. Not all the time. We are not machines. But how, how you bring the whole self, your authenticity at work, right? At every second, every minute. So that has been very transformational in my career, in my life. I think I'm a better leader, I'm a better mother, I'm a better spouse, I'm a better citizen, thanks to the insights principle. Uh, and I think that that's brings that balance and grounding all the time, in, in the, the easy times, but also even more importantly, in the tough times, because when you manage ambiguity, and, and, and again, the COVID-19 has uh, you know, brought us uh, a lot of challenges, and many on our table, as I mentioned earlier, you need to stay, you know, balanced, grounded, to have clarity, right? The clarity of sight, right? To, to see, you know, beyond the clouds what's going to happen. And, and that's the eye on the microscope, which is manage the crisis, right? Find solution to very simple questions like finding masks, shipping a good to a given customer. And at the same time, that's eye on the telescope, which is reinvent your company, prepare it to emerge stronger. Because if you don't do it from the beginning, you are going to be late, you are going to be not ready for the rebound. And that's what makes individuals, leaders and companies coming out stronger out of crisis. Now let's move on to your work at Solvay and to the strong commitment that the company has made to do well by doing good. Uh, and this intention to do well by doing good is reflected in the company's purpose, which is to bond people, ideas and elements to reinvent progress, as well as in the company's vision, which is to pursue sustainable shared value for all. Now, at a personal level, you regularly post on Twitter about sustainability and the circular economy. At our recent CEO roundtable, you made an important statement. You said we are the last generation that still has the luxury to choose. Can you tell us more what, what you have in mind with that statement, which I think is extremely impactful? First of all, this crisis uh, has been a wake-up call, right? That shows how fundamental biodiversity, sustainability are for our survival as humanity. We could take, you know, hygiene and cleaning for granted. And now we are doing the basic things, which is cleaning your hands and protecting yourself. And the glo global context is alarming. I mean, the global warming reaches one degree C above pre-industrial, the warmest in more than 11,000 years. And, and the number of climatic disasters, be it hurricane floods and the cost of damage, are increasing rapidly, right, for humanity, for uh, industries. See, in 2020... The Earth Overshoot Day fell on August 22nd. It was 
just three weeks later than the Earth overshoot day in 2019. What is the Earth overshoot day? It's the day of the year where humanity has used up all of the capacity of our planet's ecosystem for that year. Can you believe it? So, you know, we all know that we need to do more. We have only one planet. Um, and that's why, frankly, for me personally, this is a, a personal conviction. I grew up in Morocco and I was raised uh, to not waste any precious resources. Sustainability started at home. There is this personal conviction about being greedy with natural resources uh, and the duty, responsibility to leave a planet full of its resources to our children to allow them to live fully their own life at its full potential. Now, Solve in particular has a comprehensive approach to these questions that you call actually one planet. And it's based on three pillars, climate, resources, and better life. Tell us a bit more about one planet and, and the approach that it includes. Yeah, this is uh, very close to our hearts and embedded in all our business strategies. Huh? So it's not a corporate concept paper. We adopted what you call Jean-François holistic and inclusive approach, taking into account our full impact on the environment. It's based on three pillars, climate, resources, and better quality of life, responding obviously to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, and we aligned with the Paris Agreement. So we joined the Paris Agreement back in February 2020, just at the start of the sanitary crisis. Um, there are 10 goals, they are ambitious, they are bold, and I would like to highlight probably three of them that stand out or maybe four. We decided to abandon coal by 2030, which is a big deal for Solvay because we started our business, our venture 160 years ago with coal as a primary energy. So we decided that, which tells you that uh, our CO2 emission cut has been historically around 1% between you know, uh, 14, 15 and 18. And by now, we are doubling the, the emissions cuts to a level of 2% to be able to join the Paris Agreement. And we joined actually the Science-Based Targets Initiative in October. We are pioneering our industry, and I really mean it in the chemical industry, with an ambitious target to reduce our pressure on biodiversity by 30%. In fact, the scientific research around the pandemic suggests that uh, most infectious diseases come from animals. And when we disrupt ecosystem, we jeopardize a delicate balance, which leads to the release of viruses and sometimes with tragic consequences. The second example I would like to mention, we have begun to play an active role in this transition to circular economy. You may know the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. We are collaborating with the foundation. They are supporting us challenging us, and they have endorsed our approach. Uh, and we intend to leverage this partnership to more than double our revenues from renewable or recycled solution by 2030. Finally, the last example we are very proud of is that we, we have extended the paid parental leave to 16 weeks globally for all co-parents worldwide, regardless of the gender. And this is important to us because the responsibility of a CEO and the management team is to leave a legacy and a better company than the one we inherited. And, and this company is for the youth. And we want our company to be 
huge friendly company in the, in the world and the best in class to attract, retain talent. And we will continue to go further. Huh? We raise the bar, including, as I said, the adoption of the science-based targets we announced in October, which means that now, beyond considering the emissions from our own factories, the so-called scope one and emissions related to the energy we purchase scope two, the new targets are also emissions in the value chain connected to solvice activities and our impact on our customers. And these emissions scope three are now embedded in, in goods and services purchase and emission taking place during the processing use and end of life of our product sold. So, for example, we have 17 projects around the world to support the ecological transition of our operations, including solar and wind farms. And believe it or not, Solvi is in the top 10 companies with the largest installed solar capacity in the US. Actually, we are the only manufacturing company in the top 10, which includes companies such as Apple, Amazon and, and Targets and others. Uh, and why solar farming is, is because some customers and we want to have a cleaner energy as an input to produce cleaner, more sustainable and better solutions for our customers and their customers. One of the aspects of your One Planet program is this sustainable portfolio management approach where you are increasingly over time shifting your portfolio of products and services to more sustainable solutions. Tell us how this sustainable portfolio management system works and, and the impact it has started to have already on, on your portfolio of products and services. So, so it's very simple. The, the team created, Jean-Francois, a two-by-two, two-dimensional matrix, which we call the, the heat map. And in fact, it analyzes the sustainability-related risks and opportunities uh, of a product in a, a specific business application. The idea behind it is, is, is brilliant, is that decision makers within the organization could use the, the outputs to make a more informed decision about the future portfolio choices of Solvay. So you can decide what to acquire, what to divest, you can decide which innovation, and actually you stress test your own business, right? And you challenge your organization, your business presidents, right? Do they, are they going and are they really challenging their current business towards better sustainability, right? Uh, and that's what we call the sustainable portfolio management tool. Since then, it has been well recognized, including by Harvard Business School, as they published an extensive case study in February 2020 on how it was developed and continues to be applied at Solvay. It's, it's a systematic approach for all businesses, right? Without any exception, we perform this 360 as degree assessment of existing products and future spending, right? And, and we review the portfolio assessments every year. So a sustainable solution in SPM is a product in a given application which bring a higher social and environmental contribution to our customer performance and at the same time demonstrate a lower environmental impact in its production phase. So it, this is it. it. It's designed to boost uh, the business performance and deliver higher growth by letting decision makers again know uh, how they contribute to sustainability, uh, considering the manufacturing environment footprints, its correlated risk and opportunities. Uh, this is the vertical axis. Uh, it, it is quantitative, it has 19 different indicators, and then how 
in the applications, they bring benefits or face challenges from the market's perspective. And that's the horizontal axis with qualitative assessments. And there are different questions on social, environmental topics. And when we go downstream on product use until the end of the life, we measure the carbon emissions systematically through the life cycle analysis. Um, you know, this is our scope three. So, you know, it helps us in in few words, right, to see how we are good for the planet and for the profit as well. So let me ask actually about the profits, because sometimes people say, well, but it's difficult to do good for the world and, and be financially profitable. But my understanding is that your more sustainable solutions are also actually often doing quite well financially. Yeah, look, look our, at our margins, right, in the past years, right? We have been increasing, you know, our sustainable solution to a level of 50% and we want to bring it to 65%. The rest is being neutral or, or challengers. And actually, our EBITDA margin have been uh, sustained or increasing, right, year on year. So, and, and, and the best example is a recent example where we launched some new innovation during the crisis, um, a product called Actizone, which is a rapid germ kill to protect consumers from harmful bacteria and viruses, including coronavirus. It provides the only one in the world which provides 24-hour surface protection to continuously kill 99.9% .9 of the bacteria of a range of surfaces. It's cannibalizing some of the existing technology we have, but definitely at a higher margin. I think when I hear... No, you have to be green and, and biotech and, and it may not be profitable. It's not sustainable in our book. We believe you have to do both. You have to make it profitable and you have to make it sustainable and more environmental friendly. Ilham, at a personal level, you were recently named as one of Fortune's magazine's most powerful women in, in business. And you've also spoken often about the need for business to contribute to a more inclusive and diverse environment. Uh, how do you think about this diversity and inclusion challenge in Solve? By the way, a science-based company, right, which is part of an industry that's often criticized on these fronts, but not only diversity in Solve, but also in wider society. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a big question. I often, with all respect to egos, I call I call ourselves, uh, we are still anecdotes, but if our story, my story inspires more women to pursue a career in chemistry, science and technology, then I'm more than happy. Unfortunately, things are changing. And at Solve, wherever I had the chance and the honor to lead the company, we commit to achieve gender parity in our mid and senior management by 2035 and equality rights as well. Yeah, science, technology, engineering and math or, or STEM education needs diversity. Uh, the future of the world, the future of innovation depends on it. That's why we at Solvi put a particular emphasis on supporting women in STEM and why we are devoted our Solvi Citizen Day to education in 2020. We did it virtually in October. But more importantly than having slogan, Jean-Francois, and having... Uh, hard numbers to target. I think it's important to, to build a pipeline of future talents from both genders, right? So the pipeline is even more critical than having women today at the top. To ensure that when we leave, we have 
you know, more than 1% of candidates eligible to, to the top job being women. And we need to ensure that diversity has a chance from the start. For me, good leadership is like in, in chemical reaction. Eh? Leader, leaders, both men and women, can be catalysts for change. It's not only about having a vision, right? You need to have a vision, you need to be a conductor, you need to manage crises like COVID-19, but leaders also need to have the empathy for truly being inclusive and have that inclusive, diverse organization. Because inclusion, and that's all we put the I before the D, if you are not inclusive and you don't listen to the diversity, why having it at all, right? The rest is well documented. I'm sure you have all the data that diverse companies perform well economically. Companies with, with diverse management team have almost 20% higher revenues due to innovation and 20% more likely to experience above average profitability and outperform, including in EBITDA or EBIT margin. So the question of diversity and inclusion isn't how you as part of the main group can include others like minorities, but find what makes you stand out, what makes you unique. Everyone has that something unique and embrace it, treasure it, push it, be proud of it. And we as a leaders, we need to build that inclusive environment to allow everyone to bring the whole self at work and be at best, because that something is precisely what makes you an asset for any company, for any government, for any institution. And of course, that also comes back to some of the measures that you've implemented, for example, in terms of parental leave for both genders and so on. Let me conclude uh, with, with a personal question. When I, I, I listen to you today and I read uh, some of your positions in a number of articles, you come across so much as incredibly confident, self-assured, and as the finished product. Uh, were you always like this? Or maybe give us hope. Tell us that if you compare Ilham Kadri of 2021 to maybe Ilham Kadri of, of 2001, are there some differences? Are there things that you worked on consciously? <laughs> of course. Uh, the finished product doesn't exist. Uh, the way I, I live my life is uh, it's a human journey. And it's an endless learning and learning and relearning. It's an African proverb. And you know, I grew up in Africa. By the way, we put it at, uh, at our best behavior, core competencies inside Solvay. The ability to unlearn and relearn for leaders, huh? including in the digitalization arena. And I'm not a digital native, right? For example. No, I, I worked hard on, on bringing the, my whole self at work, on being authentic. And vulnerability, by the way, in leadership is a strength, is not a weakness. We ask our people, help us, help me, help the leadership team. And... Uh, with years, and, and now it's part of my management recipe, I worked on pushing the power of and, A-N-D, right? You can dare and care, right? You can take, you know, tough decisions. You can make hard choices, because if not, you are not uh, leading, you know, a company or a group, certainly in period of, of, of uh, deep crisis like this one. 
but you can also dare. You can also do it with attention to people, with the heart. It's not only about the minds and the intellect. IQ is a commodity. We need more EQ. We need more empathy. We need more positive attitude. And I think that's a learning. And uh, trust me, I'm still aiming for that finished product. But in a way, I am more interested by the journey rather than the destination. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Hilam Kadri as much as I did. To hear more such interviews as soon as they come out, click subscribe or follow wherever you're listening to this. You can also find a range of forward-thinking analyses, business intelligence and insights in our new magazine and content ecosystem called I by IMD. You will be able to register by clicking in the link that appears in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening and until next time.